Hello, and welcome to Nimsy Live. I am your host today, where we join ourselves on the podcast, if I can get my stuff working here. There we go. Welcome to Nimsy Live. I'm your host today. As we experience this together, we're going to be talking about the latest and greatest in translation, localization, internationalization, culturalization, and all that fun stuff global companies need to delight their international customers or at least not piss them off too much. On this program, we invite guests who like to have fun and have some value to add for our audience of globalization professionals. I'm always eager to provide a platform to those with a good story or a good data set. So let us know if there are any topics you'd like covered or guests that we should reach out to for future episodes. If you haven't already done so, make sure that you're subscribed to Nimsy Insights or following us on your social media platform of choice. We are coming to you live today on LinkedIn, Twitter, X, Facebook, and YouTube, of course. And YouTube is where you can find all of our archived episodes. Go to the Nimsy Insights YouTube channel, and we've got 95 episodes, I believe, now available for you talking to various industry professionals. Really quickly, before we get into our topic today, I wanted to give a shout out to Multilingual Magazine. Their new issue will be hitting the hitting your mailboxes soon with Edith Bendermacher on the cover. And of course, a beautiful false cover for RWS Language Weaver. And there is a great series of articles in Multilingual um, sponsored by them that you can check out in the last couple episodes. Wow, that really is sticky. And, of course, if you are a multilingual print subscriber, then you will be getting your very own copy of the Nimsy Insights 2023, it's big, Technology Landscape Atlas. This is a great addition to any office wall. It is a great resource if you are looking at different technologies available out there in the market. And of course, Multilingual has daily news and updates about the language services industry available at multilingual.com, in addition to a podcast. And if you're more of a podcast person than a reading articles online person, then check out Localization Today, available wherever podcasts are downloaded. And it is quick audio snippets of the latest news taken straight from the newsfeed at multilingual.com. So, without further ado, let's get into the main event today. Today's topic, um, I'm going to be speaking with Diego Antista. Diego is a former Googler who worked for over a decade as a lead in the Google multicultural team in the U.S. and in Latin America. With his partner, Juan Fusini, he founded GitGlobi, the first AI-powered platform specialized in marketing and asset localization. And I thought to introduce GitGlobi, I'm going to take it directly from you, Diego, um, so I don't screw anything up. I'm over at gitglobi.com, and if you're joining us live on the LinkedIn feed, I'll drop a link in, into the chat for you so you can go check them out, their website, afterwards. Um, but they have a great blog, and how GitGlobi saves companies time, money, and energy. Translating search engine campaigns is imperative for companies that want to expand to new markets. For years, that has been a draining, costly process, but GitGlobi is making that model a thing of the past. 
using a traditional translation agency or translation engine is far from a fast-tracked process. There are nearly a dozen I'm sorry, there are nearly a dozen steps that advertisers must take between downloading their campaigns and manually uploading the new versions, both of which take hours on their own. Regardless of the method, it's a long and tedious process that takes too much time and requires a whole lot of manpower from the company. Plus, the larger campaign, the longer it is to complete and the more money it costs. The founders of Get Globy, Diego Antista and Juan Fusini, saw that this strain was hindering the growth of businesses who wanted to expand to new markets but didn't have the resources to speak the language of those audiences. This inspired them to create a platform that would make launching global campaigns accessible to advertisers in just five quick and easy steps. One, connect your Google Ads account to Get Globy. Two, choose the campaigns you want to translate. Three, select the new location and language you want to target. Four, review the transcreations, and five, upload the new campaigns to your Google Ads account. Not only does this platform cut out tedious steps and automatically complete transcreations while accounting for Google Ads best practices, it does it all in a matter of minutes and with a pricing model that isn't based on word count. Companies save money on even their biggest campaigns. So, I'm pretty sure I didn't screw up that introduction because I took it directly from your blog. Diego, welcome to the show. What did I miss? I think that you are doing pretty well. I, I, I would say amazing. So thank you so much for uh, inviting me today. Uh, it would be a pleasure to talk more about the AI technology regarding all what's going on and uh, natural pro language processing and AI and what we are doing at Kek Lobby. Uh, so if you like, Ada, I could go first and do like a brief intro about myself. Please, yes. All right. Uh, so um, before creating this company, I was working for Google almost 12 years. Uh, during my first years at the company, we were um, opening operations in Latin America. And, uh, and then after that, in 2013, I was moved as a director of U.S. multicultural uh, operations here in New York. Um, Maybe have, or many of you don't have any idea what is Google Multicultural, but it was a division that it was fully dedicated to activate any advertiser or campaign in the US that it was not in English. Um, so, and during those days, I figured out that it was like a, a real challenge every time that we were uh, trying to activate a new advertiser in a different language um, because uh, all the process, it was very complicated. It was taking a lot of time. It was a lot of back and forth. And actually, it was like a, some kind of disconnection between doing a good translation and what it, could, what it would be good for a good digital advertising campaign. So that is, uh, together with Juan, that uh, he was working for Google for eight years, uh, we decided to create this company. Well, it sounds like you, so, and this is great, coming from the client side, coming from Google, I know you guys are, because I've done some work with Google in the past, and Google is all about supporting their advertisers, right? Because, and, and that's their revenue stream. Those are their, their customers, their clients, mm -hmm. essentially. And I've had conversations with folks, you know, either at Google or ex-Googlers, that they will bend over backwards to help people localize their ads campaigns because it's something that a lot of marketing agencies just don't understand themselves, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So 
you recognized an opportunity and you and your co-founder founded Get Globy to kind of streamline this process and make it a little bit more palatable, I would say, for advertisers. And I know at, localization is not cheap using mm -hmm. traditional methods, right? It's not cheap and it's complex. And especially when you're talking about ads and stuff like that, we're talking about SEO localization and keywords and stuff like that. So the cost can get up there pretty quickly. Um, trans creation is another thing I want to talk to you about. So mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about your experience now post Google with Git Globy and what is it that you're focusing on? Is it just Google ads? Is it all sorts of different content? Who are your customers? Yeah, of course. Uh, but uh, before before talking about uh, the the clients, I would like to to share what it was the experience uh, in the process of uh, what we call right now transcreation. Um, we at the during the early days, and I mean, we decided to create this company this company in February 2020, and so a month before COVID, maybe it was. Not the, not the right timing, but uh, I think that uh, no one uh, knows about that, that would, something like that could happen. And um, so it was uh, very, very challenging during those days to getting together the teams and start, you know, uh, having a new company and especially with a, with a, a new um, technology that it was not dedicated for this, because of course that uh, it's already existing a lot of uh, translators that are they are working and they were working with AI but then no one of them was fully dedicated to understand what is digital advertising so during the the, the early days at Globy, what we did is we basically we were getting the translation from uh you know any of the very well-known source that it could be uh Google Translator or Azure or DeepL and then working on top of that to make sure that the campaigns are gonna be working, um, doing some campaign adaptations. Then we figured out that it was that was not a good idea. When we were testing the campaigns, those campaigns were not working. And um, so we go back to basics and trying to figure out what's going on. I mean, wh why this is not working. So then we were testing those campaigns where native translators to check if that, you know, it was an issue in the quality of the translation. But that was not the issue. I mean, in terms of uh, the quality of the translation was not so bad. It was all around like a 90% of accuracy that it was pretty, pretty good. Um, well, you, then and you're touching on something, you know, what is quality, right? And I was just having this conversation with some folks, some clients this morning, um, especially in the world of AI, right? Especially in the world of trans creation. Um, the, we've been using the same, same metrics to measure quality. I mean, we've iterated on it. Don't get me wrong. We've improved mm -hmm. it. Technology has improved. But really, we've been using the same metrics to measure quality of language for decades and I think there's a strong case to be made that those metrics are no longer sufficient for, for the goals, that, especially when it comes to marketing content, um, for yeah. the goals that people want to reach. LQA scores are important. Don't get me wrong. Don't, don't yell at me in the chat. You know, LQA, there's a place, time and place for LQA, and it's still important, but it's not sufficient, I would say, in and of itself. Yeah. 
definitely, I totally agree with you. And that is exactly what happened. So uh, the, my friend and co-founder, he, he had a tremendous idea. I said, you know, everyone is having like different point of views at the time to be, uh, you know, measuring the quality of, uh, you know, a good translation. But uh, at the end of the day, what we are doing here is creating a campaign that should be running on digital advertising. So let's use digital advertising KPIs. So of course we started with Google because it's something that is, you know, half of my heart. So uh, and I said, okay, let's use uh, some metrics like quality score, just to give you a quick, you know, what is that quality score is saying um, absolutely um, transparently, Google is gonna send in like, um, like a specific rating about what is the quality of, of your ad. And that is regarding the quality is not about the quality on the translation It's actually uh, considering things like, uh, are you including the, the word that is on the destination landing page? Are you having like a call to action on the on this ad? Yeah. Uh, it's that very, uh, it's gonna be getting, it's already getting some clicks. So the CDR is good or not. So we figured out that um, that was a great metric to start uh, measuring the quality of what we were doing. And of course it was not related uh, with uh, the quality of the translation because all the native translators that they were creating new ads, they were not getting a good quality score either. So we started doing some deep research, what the things we need to do. And we figured that uh, the, um, the number of the, the, long, the length of the phrase was very important. The, including the, the, a real call to action uh, in the destination language and destination country was very important. For example, if we are creating an ad for France in French, it's gonna be absolutely different than an ad in French for Canada. And uh, those are the, the kind of the things, yeah. How so? I have so many questions, but how so? Give us, yeah. some, give us some examples, right? Yeah. Um, for example, uh, if you are right now creating an ad in English for the US, and, uh, and that ad is gonna be um, the, uh, having uh, some description for a vertical like, uh, like, uh, like uh, automakers. Um, you know, usually in terms of how the cars are described in the US for advertiser are very much more impulsive of, um, in the description and like, uh, let's get this promotion, let's get this car. And then if you go uh, to the same campaign in the UK, you will find out that they are, you know, much more careful in terms yeah. how they are describing their, you know, there is much the way more... people buy cars is different yeah. in the UK. It's, it's absolutely different. The English is much more refined that it would be get your new uh, brand new Toyota Camry right now. And um, so that kind of things, it was. Uh, what we were included in the process of the trans creation, like uh, what is going to be the tone, how the tones are changing depending on each one of the country, how the brand is communicating today uh, in the US or how they are communicating in, in UK and et cetera, et cetera. So that is, uh, and then you can compare um, regarding with the metrics that we know, like uh, for example, the conversions, and you will see a huge difference if you are just 
creating a plain translation than created and creating a transcreation, as we call. So, uh, well, first of all, before before I go on, you know, we're talking about transcreation. Can you define transcreation for us? I love people. I, I love hearing the different definitions of transcreation that people have. Mm -hmm. But for for this conversation, how are we defining transcreation? What does that look like? Well, uh, for for us, the transcreation process is where we are taking an original message and adapting for a destination country and a destination language. Right. Um, that is not doing a translation so it's um, not one to one and i'm just no. you know we have you know junior people just entering the industry students and stuff on this that listen to this podcast so i always like to define our terms a little bit so it's not a one-to-one -one translation you're no. basically taking the intent of the trans translation or the intent of the source text and you're essentially not rewriting it but you're heavily adapting it to fit the local culture and requirements of of the individual markets and you know there's a you know there's a fine line i would say between trans creation and in-country content creation where you don't even get a source text you don't look at the source text you just get like a prompt and create mm -hmm. something from scratch but wherever you want to draw that line people have different disagreements over where to draw that line but wherever you want to draw that line the whole point is the source text isn't going to work in that market even if you translate it so what can we do differently about transcription yeah. so mm -hmm. and sorry, sorry about that yeah yeah okay. moving to and you know it's 2023 so every podcast we're talking about ai Mm -hmm. nowadays but i i think in in my opinion and if you want nimsy's official opinion we've got a lot of good stuff on our website about generative ai and large language models and all of that stuff go check that out talk to laszlo he follows this my, my colleague laszlo he follows this area very closely um but my opinion is ai is going to change the, it is a big deal. Like in our industry, we have new technologies that pop up and everyone freaks out. Some people leave the industry and mm -hmm. generally they're not, you know, sometimes they're not as big of a deal as people were afraid they were. I feel that with the advancements happening in AI and we're going to keep seeing those advancements happening at an accelerated pace, this is a big deal for our industry because it's all about language and our industry is all about languages. It doesn't mean it's going to affect everything, every aspect of our industry the same. And the two areas where I'm really keeping my eye on is one in quality assurance, quality control. There's been some really interesting pilots out there using AI for, um, you know, post editing quality machine translation, quality output and quality checks and such like that. And the second area is with trans creation, because anyone who's played around with the trial version of chat GPT realizes it can write pretty good content, um, especially marketing content. Mm -hmm. like, and if it can write pretty good content in English, why can't it write pretty good content in French and German and Spanish? Right. And one kind of one of my predictions is we're, we're going to see instead of people creating, working a lot to create the perfect English marketing campaign and then translating it into 10 languages, we're going to be see, seeing people working smarter using 
generative AI to develop an English marketing campaign and then telling the AI, okay, now do the same for the French market. Now do the same for the Quebec market, right? Mm. And they're going to be different. So that's just kind of my take on this. But I want to hear I want to hear your take how how AI is, AI is transforming the space. Yeah, um, I absolutely agree with you. And actually, I would I would like to go a little you know deep on that point. Like um, many many of the players that they are working today in the industry, they are very worried about what is going to be the future. I mean. What is going to be happening with all the translation agency or if i'm a translator what is going to be uh my job in the next six months i'm not talking about five years i'm talking about yeah <laughs> now um True. so what i figure is number one uh and this is you know our small point of view because we are working basically with global clients and global holding agencies um so what um what we are figuring out that right now that the cost with uh, AI is going down dramatically is not that uh, everyone who is uh, working in this industry is getting uh, they are getting more 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 fast they are getting more requests yep. and why that was happening uh, because basically before all this technology was very expensive to activate a campaign in different language. Yeah. It's very, very expensive. So that was, an, um, on my humble point of view, during my days at Google, many of the top advertisers in the US, they were not activating a campaign in US, uh, I'm sorry, in Spanish in the US. And you know, if there's 80 million of uh, US Hispanics in this country, mm -hmm. they were not activating because if you have a campaign, let's say, and I don't know, let's use one carrier, T-Mobile, they might be having maybe 400,000 uh, lines to be translated just from one campaign and maybe more than 800 campaigns. You could imagine what it will be the cost if they need to do that okay. uh, with a human translator and it will be the back and forth of, the, of this process is gonna be taking more than 90 days. When you finish the process, the campaign is gone. I mean, yeah. is Christmas is over. Um, <laughs> so, but actually with this, all this new technology happening, not only Geglobis, you know, some other friends and player, which are, you know, doing uh, basically something like that. Um, it's expanding the, the opportunities. And now uh, clients of us, they say, hey, so now I don't have this, you know, insane cost. So I will be activating not two countries. I'm going to be activating 36 countries. So now I could be activating all the, another global client, they said, now I could be activating the 40 different language, you know, that uh, if, if I want to go to India, it's mm -hmm. not dialects, 40 languages. Yep. Um, so, and those kind of things. And what happened, you know, then you have a lot of uh, type of clients, those clients that they're, they are fine with the AI. Um, and they are no more than 60, 70% of the whole clients. Then you have all the other clients, especially those on the everyday, like, a, you know, a, a automaker or, a, you know, very well known like Gucci. They want definitely a native reviewer on that campaign. They want to be saying, okay, I want to be sure that this is what I'm saying and this campaign is right. But with all the tools that you have today, I mean, with our platform, I'm with some other platform, you are saving a lot of time. And you could be doing um, much more uh, requests, and, uh, and you know, and this is actually expanding the industry. 
Yeah, and it's you still need that that. So let, let's talk about that. This concept of human in the loop, right? And I think this is our, our my colleagues over at Scientific coined this phrase. I don't know if they coined it, but they're they promote it all the time. Human in the loop. You used to hear a lot about like the machine in the loop, and now we're talking about the human in the loop, right? Um, is there still a role? I mean, with AI and the ability to create content um, using large language models and such is what is the place of the human in the loop? If we're not utilizing translators anymore, then what does that role of the linguist look like five years from now? Um, okay, this, this is, of course, this is going to be my, 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 my point of view. Uh, oh, first I, I of smell all, controversy I'm... coming up. <laughs> I love uh, it. First well, I, I think uh, all what is going on regarding AI is just starting, okay? And mm -hmm. um, you can see now uh, it's a lot of happening on, um, you know, in many, many uh, different uh, verticals or business that are actually truly affecting on the everyday. But uh, if you think the number one that is going very, very fast is regarding all what we are uh, doing on, in terms of languages. I mean, why that is happening? Because that is the number one roadblocker when we want to communicate, you know, between us. Um, even uh, for me, that I'm, I'm not a native from this uh, amazing country, and I, you know, this English is my second language. Um, even, even for me, it's, that, uh, it's not easy when you want to be uh, doing a presentation in a different language and, and you need to think twice yeah. um, so now having this kind of technology and it's unlocking a lot of opportunities going back to your specific question and uh, what is going to happen from now on that um, what we are expecting is going to be different uh, divisions happening on NLP natural language processing so of course one of uh, the over sub-vertical, let's say like that, is digital marketing advertising, okay? That is one of the things. We are expecting that uh, NLP or natural language processing is going to be affecting different, you know, all banking and finance systems. So it's going to be companies dedicating for NLP for that and for this and for that. And you know, for each one of um, the, the publishing industry, the publishing industry will be definitely changing a lot um think about like any any kind of content or any kind of movie uh, any kind of movie you, you could be um check it in in your original language uh in very easy in, in a couple of years so is this gonna be changing the whole industry yes but is this gonna make the industry disappear not at all I think that this is going to be creating a lot of you know opportunities and let's think what happened in the in the past, I mean, uh, with it, everyone was saying this technology is going to be making, you know, the whole industry disappear. And actually, that was creating more value and creating more jobs at the end of the day. That yeah. was happening with technology. Yeah, and it goes back to the old saying, I and I don't know where this saying originally came from, but you're, you're not going to be replaced by a machine. You're going to be replaced by the person sitting next to you who uses the machines, <laughs> right? So exactly. it's kind of like adapt or die type of situation going on. Well, maybe that's a little bit dramatic. It's not adapt or die, but adapt or <laughs> find a new career path perhaps yeah. would be the better, better analogy. 
I, I, I think that, uh, yes, that definitely this adapt or, or find a new, find a new job. It's, uh, what, I, what I think is going to happen is going to be faster. All right. It's not that, Oh, I, let's see what happened in five years. Maybe something that we can check with some technology is maybe 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah. I would say what we are doing right now, for example, like at Globy, the AI team, they are very, very young and they are all the time proposing us changes every two weeks. So, because they found out, you know, new technologies and new applications know every, for example, um, Google is, they are doing, you know, some changes on the algorithm every six months. But uh, yeah. now we're talking about every two weeks. Yeah, something. It, it used to be, I remember you know, not too long ago, and even like five, 10 years ago, it was, there were like best practices for Google search engine optimization. And there were like all these little hacks that you can do. And nowadays it's like, no, they changed their algorithm too much. Just write good content. That's the best advice I can give someone for SEO is write good content and be consistent. About write the original content. Or write and original even, content, exactly. Write original content. For example, <clears throat> if you are, um, if you want to be successful in right now and, and then as on the on the publishing, and then one of the key things is keep creating original content. I mean, definitely with AI, the copy and paste era is there. Sure, sure. Uh, well, and <laughs> it won't be long until there's engines out there that mm -hmm. are developed to detect which content is written by AI and which content mm -hmm. is written by human. I mean, mm -hmm. that, that's my prediction. But I want to go to to chat here, and there's a question. I know your expertise, um, Diego, is in the ad space, being an ex-Googler and everything. But in, return, in terms of AI, Erica Hames asks, why aren't we talking about content validation? For example, maps, graphics, photography, accessibility, compliance, etc. cetera. Do you, do you see this as a potential, um, potential application for AI? Uh, yeah, definitely. It's actually what Eric, 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 Eric was mentioning is aligned with what I was saying before. It's like, uh, for now we are just like, uh, uh, opening like the Pandora box. So, yeah. and now we are, for example, we are the first one doing the creating this platform on digital advertising, but then definitely, and I know some companies, you know, actually already working on maps in Israel and then and the same with, uh, it's going to be happening this, the same with each one of the categories that she was mentioning. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be happening. And these the categories she's mentioning are, I would say risky categories to mm -hmm. test new technologies on, you know, anytime someone talks about maps and I, I shudder because there's just mm -hmm. so much trouble you can get into with maps. I was just learning last night I was hearing about, how is it Microsoft? No, it was somebody, but I mean, there's some people that got arrested, I think in Turkey, because the maps in their software recognize some territory. I, I should really look up my facts before I say stuff on live episodes, yeah. <laughs> but mm -hmm. there's just so much potential to go wrong when you're talking about maps, um, compliance, accessibility, anything where there's standards or regulation, regulatory bodies um, enforcing, it's, I, I see it as a potential risk at this time until, mm -hmm. you know, before the engines are specifically trained for these things. But using generic models that are out there, um, 
it, it can be risky because there's this phenomenon of hallucination, right? That happens with exactly. AI and that can be really, and there's already some great case studies out there with like lawyers trying to use chat GPT and the AI just hallucinates a bunch of laws and stuff. So you got to be careful out there. Um, you got to make sure that you're talking to someone who knows what they're doing when it comes mm -hmm. to AI, because AI has been around for a while. To, to your point you were making earlier, it's been around forever, but mm -hmm. everyone's just started talking about it in the last six months um, because it's becoming accessible now. That's mm -hmm. the difference is before AI was the domain of PhD nerds making a lot of money and working on very specific use cases. And nowadays it's getting to the point where um, we have multiple engines, multiple models to choose from, and we can connect to those and start playing around and building our own little sandboxes. So it's just becoming more accessible. Yeah, exactly. What's happening with AI is nowadays it's becoming accessible, but uh, that is not exactly connected with is becoming absolutely profitable. And then is that is, of course, except for, you know, the number one or number two companies, but uh, then you need to figure out what is going to be exactly your model at the time that you're going to be using AI. And then the third, the third point, that is something we are taking care or we are dedicating almost half of the of our time at GetGlobe is uh, safe. Okay. How all what we are getting from AI is that safe or not. And we are talking at the end of the day, we are talking for advertising. So that is, I mean, if we are making a mistake uh, with an ad, is I mean, it's gonna be a, a, a big deal for us with a client, but it's not gonna be the end of, of the world. But uh, I know about some companies they are using AI to fully doing uh, newsletters or for and they, when they are doing communication, and that it could be a little risky if you are not using um, like a, like a, like a, um, control or what what you are getting from uh, from from AI. Yeah, or having that human in the loop, right? Which ultimately yeah, so it comes down to having always, someone needing to always, double check it's, everything. It's always a human in the loop when you need to. But of course, it, nowadays you have many, many um, ways or different steps that you can control before uh, that you, the, the, the human is doing the last revision, which is basically that is saving a lot of time. Yeah. Um, what is accelerating the amount of data that is not capable to be managing one single person. Yeah. And you brought up pricing, right? You brought up cost, how it's becoming more affordable, right? And one of the challenges that I've seen when, when it comes to utilizing these new models is the pricing isn't necessarily transparent right it's mm -hmm. it's built on a token system where you buy a certain number of tokens and god knows how those tokens are used right and i see this personally as a big blocker for widespread adoption until someone can figure it out and create a simple easy to understand pricing structure i i can see this being a big blocker for widespread adoption of ai because no one wants to sign up for something and build a program around something where they're not sure how much it's going to be costing because ultimately it comes down to roi return on investment um what what are your predictions when it comes to how the costing structure, that side of the equation, will evolve 
over time? Because I don't think it's settled yet. I think it hasn't reached its final form. We we decided to to change the business model uh, with all of what's going on on AI. Well, uh, we read about that. You know, it's like not yeah. per word rate, and that's like oh, like a lot of people <laughs> love to hear that because there's a lot of people in this industry that think that the per word model is a stupid way of of charging mm-hmm. for localization. And frankly, I'm one of them, right? I Mm -hmm. think that the per word model is a stupid way of charging for translation in 2023. Now, I also think it's the best model, right? So reconcile those. It just tells me there haven't been any other options that I think are feasible for widespread adoption, maybe on a case-by-case basis with retainers and subscription fees and stuff. But that's very Mm -hmm. specific to, to individual programs. But yeah, I think the industry is thirsty for a new pricing model that's not going to just be per words. Yeah, number one thing is we are transcreating digital advertising campaigns and there is no correlation correlation between the budget of the advertiser and the number of viewers. That never happened, okay? Yep. You could be in a small company in Ohio and maybe you have more than 400,000 uh, ads because you basically sell a lot of products and you are in retail. So you will definitely have a lot of different ads for each one of the the products. But then, or you can maybe be an automaker and you basically, you have 10 different ads. And um, so if you compare, you know, this small company in Ohio will be strongly affected because it's a a cost per word. Um, So what we decided is, and of course we are offering the cost per word model because it's very tough, you know, for the traditional companies to understand. Well, it it gets you to the table because people, the the thing, and the reason I say it's the best model, even though I say it's a bad model, is because from the client's perspective, the buyer's perspective, it's manageable. I can Mm -hmm. forecast my costs because I know how many words I have. I know how many languages I want them in. So I can put those all in a spreadsheet and I can forecast exactly how much it's going to cost me. When we start charging hourly rates or effort-based rates, like for transcreation Mm -hmm. work, for example, I I lose control over my budgeting, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So what we did is we decided to put a flat fee. It's a okay. flat fee for, for a client, and then that is going to be de- depending on the size of the client. And for that flat fee, you can do all the translations you want, um, and actually for all the languages that you want. Um, so that is putting no restriction at the time that you've been, you want to be activating what? new campaigns. What we want from the advertiser that they are feeling free, no more roadblockers regarding all the costs on translation. Because, hey, tomorrow I'm a small you know, education company that I have an app I'm from, I don't know, California, but in a small startup. I would like to test my 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 education app in, I don't know, in Middle East. So I can do it. It's not all what was going on around the languages. It was, it was like a huge restriction. I saw that in the past um, to activate, especially for a small company. Um, and I think uh, at the end of the day, language shouldn't be a barrier uh for activating uh you know or the cost of language shouldn't be a barrier right shouldn't be a barrier for that so 
how we are solving that internally. I, w- I um, was going to say that this sounds too good to be true, Diego. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like all yeah, the translations yeah. I want for a flat fee. What's the catch? Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Okay. The catch here is um, every time that you are doing a, a, a translation and you are using AI in the back, uh, it's going to be different uh, cost. And of course, that cost is not related. It's, you know, with a cost per word translation. Mm. It's going to be with a computation, computational transactions behind. And, uh, and how many information you are exchanging with uh, different uh, platforms. I mean, it could be with, uh, we are using more than 65 plat- different platforms to creating the best AI translation as we got on digital advertising, but it could be, you know, and that is changing a lot the cost. Um, but uh, what we create is, okay, we calculate that uh, it shouldn't be more than 10% of our cost. And then on top of that is all the margin that we can, we can, we can get. Okay. Because even, uh, even in those cases that uh, those advertisers are very, and we have those cases, it's, I don't know, for example, we have one online travel agency. They are, you know, like Expedia and they are, you know, changing campaigns every day. Yeah. So they are very heavy user. Um, even in that case, uh, they are having, they are translating or creating or transcreating new campaigns all the time, but it's not there. They have, with our technology, they have to do it everything from scratch. Yeah. So we we are creating like a, like a, in different buckets, we are saving that information. And at the end of the day, yeah, you need to right now um, try uh, and translate or transcribe this campaign from English to, to, to French. Yes, great. But uh, you basically did that before and what actually is changing is less than 10% of the words. So let's do it. And we are saving all that every time uh, that we are doing new translations for the same client. Okay, so, you know, yeah, at the end of the day, the model we are using is we are saving money because every time they are doing a new translation, it's not basically brand new, okay? It's a lot of the things that they were doing before because at the end of the day, an airline is an airline, an automaker is an automaker, or a hotel is a hotel. They are all the time trying to sell or communicate basically or around the same. So essentially they're getting the same benefit or you're getting the same benefit. Someone's getting the same benefit as if they were using a translation memory. Yeah, but because what happened in the past when the, you know, everyone was using a basic human translation, uh, you were changing the, your POC, your point of contact, yeah. even if you were using the same agency. And yeah, yeah, that yeah. is who was doing the, the tasks Uh, that person should be starting from scratch anytime and anytime. That was absolutely unproductive. What we are doing with technology is, hey, you don't need to be doing that. You were already translating this maybe 10 times, the same phrase. So why are you going to be paying for that? And that is why we are capable to to create this flat fee in the cost and and keeping, of course, the quality on the transcreation process very high. Very interesting. Yeah, I wish I had I wish I had Yorick, my colleague, on here to ask you more technical questions. You know, Yorick, you were just talking to him, I think, yesterday. We had a great we, we had a, I had a great talk with, with your team yesterday. Congratulations. Let me tell you, I was not even getting those that kind of level of question, not even coming from the investors. Okay. Well, you're not uh, gonna get that level of questions from me either. <laughs> That's why I need Yorick on this call. 
<laughs> but hey, I want it before we go um, too much further. I want to stay on top of chat here. And Angelo Pasalacqua has a question. He says, what's the ideal model for pricing? I think we may have covered some of this. Uh, we've been talking about it. And then he says, for pricing, it needs to be something that buyers can figure out themselves without asking a seller. It also needs to be proportional to the work involved. Per word meets both. I've never thought about it, but what's what's stupid about it? Oh, he's calling me out. What's theoretically better, right? Oh, so this is a question for me and running my mouth about per word pricing. So what's stupid about it is I don't, in a nutshell, I'll respond to this. And in a nutshell, I don't think that it accurately reflects the actual effort that is being put into it. And I think the best pricing and I've sent a lot of quotes and written a lot of proposals and managed a lot of contracts through the years. And I think the best pricing is one where the sell rate, the variable costs associated with that are directly tied to the, the buy rate or the variable cost of procuring those services. Another way of saying that the sell rate should be directly tied to the actual effort that's being put in. And I think back in the day, uh, per word pricing hit that because one word was one word for translation. Now introduce translation memories. One word is one word, one fuzzy match. Okay, it's a fuzzy match, so it's a little less effort because the effort for the translator is lower. Now we can charge a lower rate for it. I think then we introduce machine translation post editing and um, as machine tra and machine translation has drastically improved over the years. And here's where I think it starts to break down and get fuzzy is we're still thinking in terms of word words, but we're talking to the actual people doing the, the work in terms of edit distance and effort. And I don't think the word count alone is necessarily reflective of the effort being mm -hmm. put into it. And of course it completely goes out the window um, when we're talking about things like transcreation. And the better machine translation gets, the closer post-editing becomes to the act of transcreation. I, I, I would argue, not really, but like the concepts behind it of you're just editing, you're, you're, you're more working as a linguist in that one language than trying to get a direct one-to-one -one tra translation of it. But anyways, I say all that, um, but remember, I, I said it's a stupid model. I should have watched my language. I could say it nicer than that. I could say it is an outdated model. That is, it's ripe for innovation. Maybe that sounds better. But I also still think it's the best model that we have. So I'm not going to go out there and say, you know, everyone that has per word pricing needs to stop doing it right now. Um, because for most, the vast, vast majority of cases, I believe it's the best model that we have, um, unfortunately. I just think that it's time for someone to come along, some new technology, some somebody to say, I have a new model for sourcing pricing that accurately reflects the amount of effort being put in by that human in the loop. Um, and I think the industry is really thirsty for that to happen. Do I think it's ready for that to happen? No. I think there's a lot of people out there that want it to happen, but when push comes to shove, they're not, they don't want to go first. Right. And we've been using per word for so long. It's just a tough sell to get someone to agree to it. So that's my, my attempted defense of my controversial statement. Thanks for calling me out, Angelo. 
So anything to add, Diego? I think you've already added, but. Uh, yeah, I think that, you know, for each one of the industry is different. For digital advertising, I think that the cost per word is very complicated. What I was mentioning before, there is not kind of any link between the size of the advertiser or the size of, uh, of the campaign with the number of, of, of words that you are translated. And so, but then for, if you are a publishing company, I think that it's still cost per word works. So it is depending which, what actually is, what you are, what you need to do in terms of uh, transcreation process. Yeah. Sorry, I'm not going to be using translation anymore. It's going to be transcreation. transcreation. For <laughs> well, that's the other thing is transcreation. I think, you know, with, with exceptions such as like, say, technical documentation and training materials and stuff like that, I transcreation, I believe, is a tier above translation. And I think I could make a very general statement, which is to say that if localization departments at global companies, large global brands could afford it and there was time for it, then everything would be transcreated rather than just translate it. Um, if, if we could remove the complexities and remove the cost, then they would have completely custom websites in every market they're operating in rather than just mere images of their, their English website, right? The reason they don't is because it's time intensive and it's cost intensive, right? They don't want to launch their global websites two months after their, their, um, their English website. They don't want to pay for transcreation every time a string is updated in their product. They don't want to pay for transcreation on that. Mm -hmm. They just want to run it through a translation memory and pay a fuzzy rate on it. Um, now, so if my general statement is accepted, and there's lots of arguments why it shouldn't be accepted, but if, mm -hmm. if you accept that general statement that transcreation is better than translation and people would prefer to be using transcreation over translation and the if we can remove those blockers of cost time and effort mm -hmm. through through the use of technology through the use of artificial intelligence then what's to say that five years from now we're we're in a world where translation is only used for technical documentation and everything everything else is being transcreated Right, because it's the same cost, if not cheaper, than mm -hmm. providing one-to-one -one translation. So that's my. I'm not a futurist, but if I mm -hmm. were, I would say we could. I could envision a world like that. Yeah, actually, all all what is the traditional translation uh, technology is going to be continue getting better and better. And the cost is going to be going down and down. I mean, it was happening like that all the time, what is regarding IT technology. So uh, what we can say from this side, from an IT company, is like uh, um, the, in terms of what is uh, any pro going from A to B uh, that is very straightforward, that is definitely um, going to be getting better uh, and better through AI and what is creating and putting, uh, you know, a human brain in the middle that is, you know, much more related with transcreation is it's going to be getting much more complex and much more, you know, valuable and expensive. Valuable, yes. Yeah. And what we've seen with machine translation is, you know, when machine translation entered the scene and um, started getting better, people thought, oh, it's going to replace translators and they're not going to use translators anymore. And one thing that we've actually seen is people are still translators still have jobs and it's not that 
people are replacing translators with machine translation, but they're choosing to translate more. So yeah. things that previously were not cost effective to translate now are mm -hmm. because of machine translation. So it's actually strangely, ironically, I guess, is created more work for people because the as the cost of decrease, companies have actually chosen to translate more more content that previously wasn't feasible to translate just because of the costs. I'm going to go back to the chat here. Um, Manmohan Singh asks, can AI do anything other than machine translation to help in localization? And I think this is a great question because we've been focused mostly on, you know, applications in um, language mm -hmm. of machine translation. And that's what's kind of in the news now with large language models, but there's plenty of other applications for AI. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, in terms of uh, localization, what's happening is like um, creating different type of technologies that it will be uh, improving what is what is the experience of the user for each one of uh, of of of, uh, of the usage of the of, of the technology. So it's so many different aspects right now that they uh, it's gonna be covered through different models of NLP. That in terms of localization, um, what what we are. It's like an explosion, as it was happening with NLP maybe three or four years ago. Um, maybe right now you are hearing about uh, translation uh, because uh, everything is happening with the open AI right and with with AI right now. But actually, all what is the technology on the back that was already. Um, uh, you know, been developed like more than three or five years ago. Yeah. What's happening right now is all those efforts are think around, are working around localization. So definitely we will see a lot of new tools in the next two years. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And like one, there's plenty of use cases out there, I think. Um, but one that I can think of that's been around for a while, not everybody's doing it, but some, some companies out there have been doing it for a while is um in vendor management in supply in vendor management and workflow management so you have different content types let's say you're working for a client you have different content types and not all of those content types should go to the same through the same process you know some might require extra qa um, not all of those content types should go to um, the same translators. Um, translators mm -hmm. have different areas of expertise, right? And I'm thinking specifically of um, Translated over in Italy. They've been doing this for years and years. They've been involved with AI since 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 before the gold rush that's happening in 2023. And one of the biggest applications they've used it for is basically um, using it to analyze the content when they get a request, they analyze the content using AI, and then they search their database for the best translator to send it to based upon the content type and all of that stuff. And all of that stuff happens without human interaction, which is great because back when I was a project manager, I'd get a source text, I'd read it, I'd try to understand what it's about, and then I'd use my best judgment to pick the translator that was going to work on it. And if I can have that done by artificial intelligence, then it saves me a ton of time. Yeah, and one more thing about what you were mentioning before. What what we see in some specific clients, especially especially in the agencies, our you know those performance uh, clients, uh, they are activating campaigns globally. They used to have translators, 
or they, they used to have, you know, a content team dedicated for each one of the language that actually they were doing basic, very basic job, like adapting a campaign. So what happened with those teams when we were, and I mean, Get Globy was in the middle right now. So in the last, uh, you know, year, uh, six months and a year that we are already working with those clients, it's not that they were reducing the stuff. Actually, what they, they were doing, increasing the stuff. Mm. What they are doing, I mean, it's not that they have, they, what, what they're going to be doing, they are not doing translations anymore. No, they are getting better at the, the, the websites. They are analyzing which actually, why that campaign was work, working better than the other one. I mean, they are getting better and better optimizing and the, the campaign. And definitely, if, if you, you know, and I talked personally with them, uh, with those teams, they are happy. You know, yeah, because, that's where they because, want to be spending their time. They don't want to be spending their time managing handoffs and in the weeds and stuff. They want that taken care of so that they can think strategically and be making the strategic decisions that are going to lead to a better outcome in their local mm -hmm. markets. Yeah, definitely. Agreed. Well, I'm looking at the clock here and man, this hour has flown by Diego. Any uh, closing sentiments for us before I start wrapping us up today? Um, first of all, I would like to, to thank you for, 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 for this. I mean, for I think it's a great space uh, to discuss all what's going on in AI and then, you know, language and uh, all, the, all the changes. And I think I'm, I'm very lucky, first of all, after working for so many years as such a, for such a great company like Google to be involved in this industry. To be honest, when we started together with Juan creating Get Globy, um, and we were sharing with uh, the initial investors about the future of, I don't know, mentioning GPT, they were even saying, what is that? Okay. And uh, and I think we were, you know, lucky that uh, what's happening right now in the in this industry. So what I will say, to encourage everyone who is working on this, uh, that uh, that at the end of the day, we are working in the future. So it's it's gonna be great. That's great. Yeah, right time, right place. It's it's mm -hmm. an exciting time to be in this mm -hmm. industry. Well, yeah, th thank you very much for joining us. I will take us out here, ladies, gentlemen. Chat. We are out of time for today. If you enjoyed this Nimsy Live experience, and join us next time on Monday. It looks like Monday at three o'clock PST. We're talking about shifting the mindset with Sasan Banava which will be a very interesting guest to talk to. So go sign up for that now on our LinkedIn page and go to Nimsy's LinkedIn, go to the events and just click attend to save your spot. I appreciate our guest today, Diego. I appreciate my colleagues here at Nimsy Insights doing all the hard work so I can have these fun conversations. I appreciate everyone in our industry who fills out Nimsy surveys and schedules briefings with our analysts so that we can include you in our published industry research. And finally, I appreciate you the audience in chat who are joining us live today. All of the dialogue, comments, questions, and especially criticisms, Angelo. And I look forward to next time. Cheers.